A few days had passed since I had met Carmen, and in that time I was not able to forget the occurrence. The moment that I saw the artwork, even in the unspectacular light of the basement, had been mind-blowing, and the memory kept playing and replaying as I attempted, in futility, to busy myself with daily life. At work, as I sat in the claustrophobic cubicle, the blank grey walls lit by the harsh artificial fluorescence of the strip lights, I could not help but miss the colours that I had been witness to that afternoon, the soft and the vibrant alike. If I missed the art, after only one fleeting moment, I could not imagine the morning that must have occurred on the night that the Reform Act had passed, and what it must have been like to fear for a future with no certain beauty. I could not imagine what it must have been like when the forces came to plunder away at the treasures that they cared so much about. As Carmen talked about the objects on the shelves, I could tell how much she believed in its power and how much she believed in the worth that art had in the world. I wondered, also, what I was supposed to do with this information that I had newly learned. I did not want to allow myself to forget, although I was not sure, at this point, if I even could. On one hand, I wanted to further explore the new world I had stumbled upon, and fatefully been introduced to. Having had only a taste, I wanted more. However, Carmen had told me to be careful with my choice, and as I conjured for myself the possibilities of her meaning, I grew cautious of making any action that I was not prepared for. But, nonetheless, it continued to play on my mind. I found myself taking regular walks back through the square and to Castle Road, past the great mysterious rock. I would do this after work and at weekends, any time that I was free. I would go to see if the gates were open again, hoping that seeing it so would help me make my choice. But each time I came past, it seemed to have been made for me. When I inspected the lock, I had always found it bolted steadfast in its proper place, not letting me in, and each time I saw it, my hope for the opportunity began to dwindle. Over two weeks had passed in the same routine. Work, the walks and the email to my brother that punctuated each week. I had almost resolved to give up on the chance. I had gone one Saturday morning to the supermarket with my father to pick up the groceries for the coming week. We had pulled together a list of black ink on paper and scoured the shelves for the corresponding products. It was an arduous process as every single item was wrapped in identical packaging. Every cereal product was in a plain cardboard box printed only with the name of the product, brown flakes, wheat biscuits, cocoa puffs. The same went for everything else in the store too. Laundry detergent looked the same as the cereal. Cans of dog food were almost indistinguishable from the cans of sliced carrots and tinned tomatoes. Even the shelves themselves resembled the shopping lists we carried in our pockets. Just words, one on top of the other, straight to the very bullet point. When we got home, I was helping to stack the cupboards with the bounty. Can I ask a question? I asked while I looked at the arrangement. Of course, dear. What's up? Did the labels always look like this? No, they didn't. 
He paused for a moment. Why do you ask? I wasn't sure how much I should tell him about Carmen and the castle. Just the other day, after the parade, I was talking to someone about art, and they said a lot of things had changed, and I was kind of wondering, really. Okay. What did they look like before? I suppose it's hard to describe if you haven't seen it, he started. There were all sorts, in all different colours, and they all looked different. It wasn't all this black and white, simplistic, minimalistic stuff. I remember always being awestruck by them, especially when I was a kid, and I was always wanting the sweets because the packaging was very bright and full of patterns. People had their own products with it, of course, about how it was all a tactical marketing ploy to attract unhealthy habits. People wanted to be more honest and transparent with the way they shopped, and I suppose that helped make the change, at least a little bit. Did the change happen at the same time as the Art Reform Act? I think it started a little bit before, if I remember rightly. The supermarkets had these basic ranges for cheaper prices, and they had similar packaging to now, but I think it was to save money on production, which is part of the justification of the reform. But it didn't exist on this massive scale until the Act had passed, and then it almost happened overnight. I was astonished when the first time I came in and saw all the white. It was like everything had been erased. How old were you when the act passed? I asked. Oh gosh. Maybe 20 odd years old? Were you involved with art at all back then? Oh, I was. I, I really was at university. I was part of a creative crowd. We were all artists and actors and poets. Your mother was part of this group too when we first started dating. And I adored her creativity. We all saw ourselves like some kind of Bloomsbury group or like Shelley and Byron, who were these great writers. We were always making something. We would put on plays and sell paintings, everything. We would make grand plans about being struggling artists in London, taking the world by storm. My father's eyes shone as he talked about the past. So what happened when the reform passed? The same eyes that were shining just seconds ago grew misty as he delved into the recess of his mind for a memory he had almost forgotten, oppressed by a world that had brushed it over. It was very difficult, he replied after a long pause. He looked at the ground as he told me the next part of the story. In the run-up to the act, we were all quite stressed, and we knew that cuts were coming and that they would be bad, but in reality, nothing could possibly prepare us for what did happen. None of us were really ready for the amount of changes that were made. They hadn't publicised any of it, and they had seemingly been planning it for months, if not years, because they were able to mobilise plans very quickly after the fact. I was safe. I was studying product design, which... Some anonymous council somewhere had decided it was practical and useful enough to stay. The Reform Act limited us, but at least we still had our jobs at the end of it. And a lot of people got unemployed very quickly. There was a mass exodus for weeks, as people scrambled all over the, the place to find a new place where jobs had opened up, as nurses or in the military. I was one of the lucky ones.
The morning after the act passed, your mother called me on the phone. She was in tears, really panicking, so I went over to the art building to find her. It turns out they had cut all of the funding to art degrees effective immediately, and I do mean all of it. They had all been kicked off the course that day, and only had until that evening to put their affairs in order. All of the student loans were suspended, so they couldn't afford to live in their accommodations anymore. It was terrible. Many of my friends were utterly lost, and they had to go back home with all of their dreams dashed. Art was everything to your mother. It was her whole world. It was all she studied in college, and all of her GCSE options were art-based. She didn't think she had a path now that her world had been taken away from her. So I took her in, of course. I couldn't bear to see her falling apart the way she was. I supported her with my tiny loans while she sat new GCSEs and A-levels so that she could get a different career as an accountant and make ends meet. She still draws sometimes, but nowhere near as much as she did once long ago. I think it hurts her too much. To do so now is a reminder of what she lost. She misses it. I miss it too. I was saddened by my dad's story. I could feel that the air around us had changed into quiet poignancy. I was amazed too. I had no idea that my parents had led a whole other life with a whole other future. I could not believe that I took so much of the world today for granted. The country was already like this when I came to be a part of it. We weren't taught the recent histories in school, from our textbooks riddled with dates and statistics from civilizations that had already passed. And I did not realise then that we were history in the making ourselves. But I knew it now. Why do you think they did it? I asked, although I could tell that Dad was beginning to get weary of remembering. A multitude of reasons, he replied. They did it to fund the military, of course. That's a big thing that they used to justify the changes. We were told that if we resisted it, we weren't proud of our country, and that the level of nationalism was a big thing too. But I don't think it's all that simple. They said it was an opportunity for transparency and healthy living, free from politics and hidden motives and language. They have this big quote in the square, you know the one, words are facts, which is a quote from the act. I think they saw art as this sort of false narrative. Most of all, however, I think they were intimidated by art. Fundamentally, it's a means of expression. It's a way of expressing love and joy and peace. But it's also an expression of pain and anger and disagreement. And I think they were afraid of that conflict. So they controlled it in the only way they knew how, by getting rid of it. The fact that they could do so much with the money just added a benefit. The dad talked, I was thinking about Carmen in the castle. And I was thinking about dad and mum and the loss of their voice at the ends of people that didn't care about them. Dad... What if I told you there was a way to bring it back? He looked up, and when I met his gaze, I could see a fire flickering in his face. I would have hope. The person that I met after the parade, 
She says she's part of a group of artists and curators who are planning on it, and they invited me to join them. Do you think I should do it? If you believe in it, and you want to help them, I would tell you to do it. Don't let anyone tell you no the way that I did. If you do, we will support you. And in that moment, everything changed. And my resolve to make a change grew too. Not for myself, but for the others who had missed out on as much as I had, and for those who were missing it more than I did. The following Saturday, I woke up bright and early, having decided to spend the whole day watching for the gate. Adrenaline and excitement flowed through my veins as I positioned myself to camp out in front of the window of the bar across the street, where I could watch the corner and the gate for anyone that might be entering or leaving. I had been there for hours, waiting and waiting, but I didn't want to give up, so I remained in my seat for as long as it would take for somebody to show up, if they showed up at all. The sun stretched higher and higher into the optimistic blue sky, and then it started to sink, tinging the sky in a pink glow. Evening was upon us, and just as it was looking unlikely that anyone would make an appearance, Carmen came up the road towards the gate. She was accompanied by a young man who carried a box of supplies. They were talking together animatedly as she plunged her hand into the pocket to drag out her jangling keys. I spilled out of my seat and rushed out of the premises, calling out a quick thank you to the landlord. I dashed across the road, not wanting to miss my chance. If they were to lock the gate again, they were entering and it was just about to close when I called out, Carmen! The two of them paused. The young man looked at me perplexed, a dark brow raised in questioning. It's you, Ilum, get to see you, Carmen said warmly. I've decided that I want to help, I told them, not wanting to waste any more time, not even another second. Oh, that's marvellous, she declared. Oh, she turned to the man. This is Ilum. I was telling you about her the other day. It appears she is our latest recruit. Nice to meet you, the man said, dropping his brow. Ilum, this is my nephew, Vincent. I shook his hand. Well, everyone will be here shortly. Then I can introduce you all. For now, welcome to the team, Ilum. <laughs>